Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... We would really put our best energy, effort, time, and energy into the things that we know will matter when we're gone because everything here is going to burn. Amen? It's not going to be here for long. So, And I realize this, right? There are going to be some people that miss heaven trying to acquire and keep the things that are going to burn. There'll be people that miss heaven, won't, won't sell out to the Lord, won't fully surrender to Christ because they got some earthly pursuit that they're going after. And, and even if they win, they lose. Do you know anyone who is a diehard football fan? Or what about someone who has every sports car they could ever dream of? Most of us all have passions for certain things. And that isn't a bad thing at all. However, we must remember that they are all worldly possessions. In our message today, Pastor Bill is going to be talking to us about how our possessions and belongings will all eventually fade. However, the one thing that will remain is our relationship with Christ. That must be of utmost importance. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation, chapter 21. As he begins his message, all things new. Revelation chapter 21. Today we're going to cover verses 1 through 8. And I've titled the message this morning, All Things New. As, as we've been going through Revelation, we've covered a lot of ground. So anybody that's missed it, you can go online and get caught up with all the studies. But we went through the church age in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. We saw that the church, after the church is raptured, caught up to be with the Lord in heaven, that there's a seven-year period on earth which really takes up the majority of the book of Revelation, chapters 6 all the way to 19, where God is pouring out his wrath on the earth, on those that have re rejected him. Well, now that that's been done away, if you guys remember, we saw kind of the end of everything for the non-believer, lake of fire, right? And not where nobody here wants to be, but there was the lake of fire is a real thing. That's where they ended. And so we kind of closed that chapter. And now in chapter 21, God is saying, hey, let me tell you about where you're going to be. Let me show you about what's, what you have to look forward to as a believer. And so all things are going to be made new. And we're going to cover, again, the first eight verses uh, of this this morning. So I, I want you to consider this, right? There are times when there's something that we're looking forward to, that even if we're going through difficulty in the, in the immediate time, there, there's a hope for the future that we can have as believers. And I believe that this section, like as we look into heaven, as we look into the future for the believer, it's supposed to instill hope in the Christian. One example that I see in scripture is where it talks about a woman that's in labor. I've never been in labor. I'm not going to pretend that I, I experientially know what that is, but I have witnessed it and I've seen it. And so it's uh, I, I mean, it's, it's painful, you know, and, and whatever else happens with all of that. Right. But God says look, in that in what a woman is going through and delivering a child, there's the there's the hope that that she's looking forward to. That there's a baby that's going to come from it that makes it, I, I want to believe it makes it all worth it. Can the women say amen if that's true? Because I can't speak on it. All right, so so it's all worth it then. I, I just, I don't want to speak beyond my, my realm. So, you know, we may be going through some things on earth that are that are not pleasant, that are challenging, that are difficult. You may not have the best life. Things may not be as you want them now. Um, you need to be encouraged that whatever you're experiencing in this life, on this earth, it is just temporary. Y'all understand we're just we're just passing through here. We're, we're going to be here for a limited amount of time. And then we have an eternal destination. We have somewhere we're going to be for all eternity. And so now look at 
Revelation chapter 21. Look at verse one with me. John is speaking here. He says, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there was no more sea. And so John is here. You know, there's been the final judgment, the great white throne judgment, all the, you know, the, the devil and the false beasts and the false prophets and the non-believers have all been cast into the lake of fire. And then John says, look, I looked in and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So my question was, what happened to the old earth? And, the, and when it says heaven, it's not talking about heaven like where God dwells. When it says the new heaven, it's speaking of just the atmosphere in which we live in. There's, the Bible speaks of three heavens. The first heaven is just the atmosphere right now, the air you can breathe, the trees, the birds. The second heaven is the, you know, the outer space, you know, the, the, the planets and whatnot are. The third heaven is where God is and his glory and, and where God's presence and God's glory is. When it says here, the first, the new heavens and the new earth, it's speaking of the earth in which we live, this planet and the atmosphere among which we live. It's all going to be done away with. So can anybody, can I throw this out to you guys? What's going to happen to this earth and this heavens? Say, say it loud. Okay, it's all going to burn, right? So it, it really doesn't make sense that you or I would put too much stock in this thing, right? We're here. I'm not saying you can't have some things, enjoy some things, but but don't fall in love down here because we know from the scripture this is all going to burn. If you're a note taker, write down 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 13, I'll read it to you. It says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And so Peter's talking about it. John is in Revelation now revealing it to us that the old heavens and the old earth, what's going to happen? They're going to burn away with a fervent heat. It's all going to burn. So, you know, I've heard that said among believers at times. Somebody fall in love with a thing and they have to be reminded, bro, you know, that's all going to burn, right? So for any of y'all here, maybe you love your car. You know, you just love it. You just you just got to pet it and rub it and shine it and glisten it and gloss it. I just don't, just don't fall that deep in love. It's going to burn. You can have a home, a thing. It's all going to burn. Don't fall in love with the stuff in this life. Fall in love with the Lord in this life. Amen? And, and if you want to do something, you want to fall in love with something that will count, fall in love with serving the Lord. Do something that matters in eternity where this won't burn. This will matter for eternity. Just consider with your life on a day-to-day, -day, what are you doing that this will matter after I'm gone? This, this will still be good when I'm gone. This, this will matter when I'm in eternity. I look now, there's some guys that I read and I listen to, and they've already gone to be in heaven. They're with the Lord, but their work is still here. You know, they're still preaching. They're still, they're guys that are in heaven, but they're still on the radio every week preaching the word. They've written books that teach you how to study the word. Their books are still here. And it's like, man, what a, what a great thing that those guys did in their time on earth. They, they're gone. They've been gone for years and they're still ministering to people because of what they did. Maybe you parents. Maybe you're just pouring into your kids and it's work. 
and his effort and his time. But but who knows what God's going to do with those babies when they grow up? And and you were the one that got to disciple them and teach them and train them and, and show them. I just am encouraging us that we would we would really put our best energy, effort, time and energy into the things that we know will matter when we're gone, because everything here is going to burn. Amen. It's not going to be here for long. So and I realize this, right, there are going to be some people that miss heaven trying to acquire and keep the things that are going to burn. There'll be people that miss heaven, won't, won't sell out to the Lord, won't fully surrender to Christ because they got some earthly pursuit that they're going after. And, and even if they win, they lose, right? What, what does the Bible say? What profit does, what, what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and what? It doesn't profit him anything because he can't take none of it with him. Um, no matter how rich a person is when they die, Y'all know y'all all died broke, right? You're going to leave how you came. You didn't bring nothing in. You ain't taking nothing out. But as a believer, this is a caveat, right? As a believer, you can send some things ahead. You didn't come with anything. You're not taking anything with you. But you can, you can take some people to heaven with you, and you can send those. You can send your good works up ahead. Jesus said, don't store all your treasure on earth where moth and dust corrupt, where thieves break in and steal. He says, but, 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 but spend your time, spend your energy, do the things that, that, are, that are sown into heaven where they won't be taken away, where they won't rot, where, where it matters for all eternity. And so, again, he says that the, the new heavens and the new earth, the first heaven and the first earth, they're going to pass away. It says also there's going to be no more sea. I thought that was interesting. Three quarters of the planet earth that we live on right now is, is underwater. And in the new heavens and the new earth, he says there'll be no more sea. And so I wonder if that means it'll just be more inhabitable place for us. We'll see it as we go. I want to say this too: the new heavens and the new earth, it's not a remodel of this one, right? God doesn't take this earth and say, let's do a remodel project and start knocking down walls and trees and stuff. This whole thing is dissolved, burned, it's gone. And then God starts fresh, brand new everything. So we don't know a lot about what will the new heavens and new earth be like. We don't know. Because if I try to compare it to this earth, God says, I'm making a brand new one. I'm just going to believe if he's making a brand new one, it's going to be an upgrade. Amen. That's that's my belief. I believe is I don't think he's going to make a worse one for the second go. So this earth is going to pass away. There'll be a new heavens and a new earth. Look at verse two now. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So John saw this new Jerusalem, this new this new holy city, Jerusalem. And it was coming down out of heaven. It was coming down to, to I guess, to, to its new place, right? John saw it coming down. And this is what he says. It was coming down out of heaven like a bride adorned for her husband. So the Bible is given this imagery of, of a wife, you know, a bride coming down. Now, anybody here, this, how many brides, have, how many women have been married, have had a wedding day? All right. Show of hands. All right. I should have all the single women raise your hands so all the single guys can see, but I'm, I'll save that, right? So... So on a wedding day, right, um, there's a there's preparation that goes into it. A bride adorns herself. She prepares herself in such a way. And the Bible says that this, this new Jerusalem was coming out of heaven. It was like a bride adorned. That means there was preparation that went into it. It was pure. It was holy. It was set apart. And it had a purpose. Right. When a bride is coming down, this is not an accident. She knows what she's getting into. She's entering into something lifelong. There's a covenant and a commitment that she's making her way down the aisle to, to you know, to, to, to come into. She's prepared her heart, her mind for this. And God says, look, that's what this new city is coming down. It's going to be like a bride that's been just prepared herself for her husband. I thought this was interesting because 
God says he's the one that prepares us. Right. We're we're the the church is we're going to be prepared like the bride to meet the Lord. I mean, Ephesians five, God is speaking to husbands, but he also is. He keeps going back between speaking to husbands and speaking to the church. And he says this, Ephesians 5, 25 to 27, it says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. This verse 27, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she should be holy and without blemish. In the same way that this new Jerusalem is coming down out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband, God says, I prepare you. How many of you guys know that Jesus prepares you to meet God the Father? Right? And he, prepared, he prepares you in this way. You and I are sinful. Amen? Say it like you know you do it. Right? We're sinful. We blow it. We mess up. We fall short. We're imperfect. We're not qualified. We, God can't look upon sin. So in my flesh, I'm not prepared to stand before God. But what Jesus does for me and you is he washes away our sins. And now he can present me to God. Here in, in Ephesians 5, where he's exhorting the husbands to wash your wives with the water of the word, he's saying, look, that's what I do for the church. I wash you with the water of the word, that I might present you one day to God. I might present you as a bride without wrinkles, blemish, or any such thing, which is encouraging because that means all of you and me, with all of our flaws and blemishes, will one day be presented with no, no blemish, no flaw because of what Jesus has done for us. Amen. And then he says this in Jude verse 24. He says, now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his exceeding joy. So Jesus is going to be able to present you faultless before the Lord. And so in the same way that this Jerusalem is coming down, this new Jerusalem coming out of heaven like a bride prepared for a husband, that is what God does for each one of us that have put our hope and our trust in him. Now, I had a question in, in going through this because I think some people have wondered this, right? What will happen like when you get to heaven, right? You get to heaven, we get to heaven, and your loved ones that didn't make it. Have you guys ever wondered, like, will I be bummed out when I get there and I see that, you know, Rollo and Tyrone, they didn't make it? You know, am I going to get to heaven and be like, man, like, this person that I care for, they didn't make it? Um, I wondered that. And I, so I found this verse that I thought, I feel like it, it answers that. Jesus speaking about the eternal state. It's in the, right down Isaiah 65, 17 through 19. And Jesus there speaking about what it's going to be like in the next realm. The minds, what will be like in heaven. He says this, Isaiah 65, verse 17. It says, for behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth. And the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. So he said that the former things are not going to be remembered or come to mind. So I don't know if you guys see Men in Black and they got that little thing where after they, you know, they do whatever they, they zap it and you can't remember. God says, look, it's not, you're not going to remember it and it's not going to come to mind anymore. So I, I guess that means that I, I, when I get there, I won't remember those that aren't there. I'm not going to get there and be like, oh, man, God, I just it just won't it won't come to mind, which is a blessing. You know, I don't want to get to heaven and be you know, there won't be any sadness in heaven. Right. It's not going to come to mind. It's not going to be there. So moving on now, look at verse it says and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying behold the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people God himself will be with them and be their God and so there's a voice from heaven a loud voice is saying behold that's 
That's always God's way of arresting our attention to listen to what he is about to say. And he said the tabernacle of God is with men. And if you look that up, what is the tabernacle of God? That is literally Jesus. The Old Testament, the tabernacle is where people would go and meet with God and, and, and you know, sacrifice and worship and whatnot. And when it says here that the tabernacle of God is with men, one of the glories of heaven, you guys, is we're going to finally be with Jesus. Right. That's going to be what heaven is about. When you get raptured, the awesome thing about the rapture says that we're going to be caught up forever to be with the Lord. That means from that moment on, you're going to be with the Lord forever. There'll be no breaking up. Y'all know God's not going to dump you one day. You're not going to get to heaven and, and mess up and, and be thrust out of heaven. God says you're going to forever be with the Lord. If we're absent from the body and present with the Lord, that's forever. And so here God says, look, the tabernacle of God, we're going to finally be with him. Now, maybe you read the Gospels like me and said, man, I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have been with Jesus and just seeing what that was like. And God's like, you're, you're going to get that, right? You have that to look forward to. We're all going to get to be with Jesus. The tabernacle of God is with men. Then it says this, he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And I want you to note that the whole gospel, this was the goal. Everything that Jesus endured and went through was for this goal that you and me could be with him. Y'all know that? That God from heaven sent his son to earth to die in your place so that we can be reconciled to God and be with him. The reason why God is so merciful and gracious to you and I, though we're flawed and we sin, is because God is wanting you and me to be with him. The rules and things that God gives out in scriptures, the do not do's and the you must do's, are all intended for the day that you can finally be with him. Because the alternative to being with him is what? It's being without him. And if you're not with God, where are you at? You're in hell. That's the reality. And, and for eternity, if I'm not with him, it ain't like if you're not with God, you can chill in some outer nothingness. If you're not with him, then you are in hell. You're separated from him. God says either you're with me or you're what? There's never any neutral ground with Jesus. So understanding that I need to be with him. And that's when he died on the cross that you and I could be. We could be with him. A couple verses. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. In John 14, verses 1 through 4, as Jesus was preparing the disciples for his earthly departure, he made some promises that apply. And so John 14, 1 through 4, it says this. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, and the way you know. And so Jesus said, look, I'm, I'm pain, and I'm leaving to go prepare a place for you. Here's what's exciting for, to me about that. How long did it take God to create this place? Six days, according to the scriptures. God has had 2,000 some years to be preparing a place for us. So I'm just going to bet that that's going to be amazing, right? That whatever God is preparing for you and me is going to be amazing. He said, I've gone to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Again, the goal is that we would be with him. But I think that the place will also be amazing. Another verse I'd like you to write down is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. And in this section, you know, Paul had been exhorting believers to, to watch who you fellowship with. Be careful who you're hooked up with. Earlier in the verses, 
He said, don't be unequally yoked together with non-believers. Be careful who you're, you're yoked up in fellowship with because that can impact your relationship with God. And he says his reason why in 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18, he says, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. And this is something that encourages me and I love this about the Lord. Everything that I'm reading in scripture is God saying, I want you, right? I want to be with you. I think sometimes the world gets the impression that God doesn't want us, that we're bad, that we mess up, that God wants to punish us. God wants people to go to hell. God wants people to be, that he wants them to be penalized for their wrong. But as you read scripture, you get a different impression. Amen. I get the impression when I read scripture that God is saying, no, I, I want you. Right? I know you're flawed. I know you're messed up, but I want you. I know you have sin, but I want to forgive your sins and, and receive you to myself and come out from those relationships so you can be in one with me. You know, repent of those sins and be cleansed by me. God has said, look, I want you. No questions. We are desired by the Lord. He doesn't desire that anybody be pushed away. He doesn't want anybody to be. He doesn't want anyone to be rejected. In order for you to be rejected by God, you got to reject him. Y'all know that? God doesn't turn anybody away that says, Lord, I want you. Romans 10, 13, he says that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All. Anybody that says, Lord, I want you. Jesus says you can have anybody. And so that means the door is open for all who will. Anybody who will come, they can come to the Lord. Moving on now, verse four, it says, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. And I think this is an amazing promise for us to look forward to for ourselves. Some of us might rejoice in these words for loved ones that have gone and they've gone before us to be with the Lord. A couple of things God says, he's going to wipe away every tear. Not that there are going to be tears in heaven that we're going to be there crying. God says, look, there's not going to be any tears. I'm wiping all that away. You won't be sad in heaven. You're not going to be in heaven crying. He says, there's not going to be no more death. So I think one of the biggest challenges on earth is that it is death. People die and it's painful. When people leave us, it's painful. We cry, we weep, we mourn. Even Jesus wept when Lazarus died. Even though Jesus knew he would be resurrected, he wept because death is painful. Death was never God's original intent, right? Death came as a result of sin. And so when people die, it's difficult, it's painful. But God says, eventually, when we get to this place, Right? When we get to heaven, we get to be with the Lord. When all things have been made new, he says, death will never happen again. When we're with the Lord in heaven, we're never going to have a time again where someone's going to be gone. No one, no one that you get to heaven with. You know, There's going to be no funerals in heaven. You're not going to be like, hey, man, where, where, did, where, did, where did such and such go? You know, like there, It won't be. We'll never experience that pain, that sorrow, that difficulty again. There'll be no tears. There'll be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. It says, for the former things have passed away. I think of those that are living with pain or whatever, that are going through, you know, things in their body and they're going through pain and struggle. And, and then they go be with the Lord and God says, no more pain. Never again. Never experience pain, hurt, discomfort, mourning, crying. All of those things are, are wiped away. These are part of the hope that we have. These are part of the, what we have to look forward to as believers. And I consider this, I, I realize that one of the schemes and tricks of the devil is, is sometimes for non-believers, those that are not yet in relationship with the Lord, when they're overwhelmed with grief and sadness, 
and, and there are people that in their overwhelmed state of grief and sadness consider taking their life, consider not wanting to be here. Here's the, I think the devastating part of that, right? If, if they would just come to Christ, there's a hope that one day this, this will all be done and, and we will be in a place with no pain, no sorrow. If Satan can trick a non-believer into taking their life, right? He's, he's taking them from bad on earth to worse. know there are many ways that you can spend your day, but we're delighted that you chose to spend time with us today, here on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill is working his way through the book of Revelation. There are a variety of things addressed in this book. There are letters written to churches, lots of imagery and prophecy, and the best part, a coming king who will reign supreme. Don't you just love a good story, where good overcomes evil? Jesus is the ultimate in this bringing good and restoring all that's broken and lost. What a wonderful Savior! How do you engage with the book of Revelation? Is it scary to you? Is it confusing? Is it inspiring? We'd like to help you through what you're thinking as you're listening to these messages. Our number is 310-245-4811. Feel free to give us a call. We'd love to connect with you. Just in case you missed it, that number is 310 310- 245-4811. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry based out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Would you come visit us? Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Our time with you today is about up, but please join us again for the next edition as God continues to reveal His plan for the world and for us. On behalf of Pastor Bill and the rest of the production team, thanks for being a part of A Transforming Word.